Recorded at the Running Age Studio, you're listening to Venture Tabernacle. It's like venture capital, except that the investment is made in your soul. This is where America hangs out to talk about anything and everything from a biblical perspective. I'm your host, Ty Hervey. Join me as we learn to view the world through the objective lens of the Bible. Well, welcome back to the Venture Tabernacle podcast. You are listening to a new episode edition that we're going to kick off today called the Sunday Sermon. It's where we are traveling through the gospel according to Mark, verse by verse and story by story, seeing the glory of the life of Jesus as it unfolds one piece at a time and how it applies to our lives. Today, we are going to start at the very beginning of the gospel according to Mark. And now, there's a couple reasons that I chose to go through Mark instead of any other book. And I'll give a couple of them to you. Number one is that it's one of the synoptic gospels, which for those of you who may not understand what that means, it's the three gospels that largely tell the same stories of the life of Jesus. And that would be Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is one of the gospels but it talks about several different stories. So in other words, if you know Mark really well, and my hope and my prayer is that at the end of this series, you will know Mark very well, that you will also know Matthew and Luke pretty well too. It's kind of the old adage, three birds with one stone is what we're going for here. The second reason that I chose to go through Mark is that it covers the life of Jesus as the suffering servant. And you're gonna learn more about what that means as we go through the book. But Mark places a heavy emphasis on how Jesus taught his disciples to follow him, which is very important for our lives as Christians because we have been commanded to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Something I'm passionate about and something I hope you, if you're not passionate about it, through this series will become passionate about. So I am excited to dig into the Word of God on a level that maybe you've never done before. And I know you're going to learn some good stuff if you come to the table with an open heart, ready to hear from the Lord. So we'll jump right in. Our first text in this series is going to be at the very beginning. It's Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. And for reference, for those of you who are curious out of what translation I might be reading, I'm going to be reading ESV unless I say otherwise. So if I don't say anything, you can pretty much assume and bet on the fact that we're reading out of the ESV. But let's go ahead and read this together. Mark 1, 1 through 8 says this, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now there is a lot going on here in just these eight verses. So let's take some time to unpack this together. We see in verse 1 an introduction to what is called 
the gospel. We have four gospels at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what we typically think of when we hear the gospel is a book title if you grew up in church. But the meaning of gospel is far greater than a book title. It means good news. That is what the gospel is to us. It is good news. And Mark was writing to a Roman audience who weren't Jewish, and they would have understood this word gospel to mean good news generally about whatever they were talking about. So Mark makes sure to create a distinction that this good news he is writing about is about Jesus, the Son of God. You see, from the very beginning of the book, Mark wants the reader to know that Jesus is the Son of God, period. And there are several things that he does to help us know what he's saying is true. He offers a few proofs. First, he jumps into a quote from the Old Testament. He says in verse 2 and 3, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And what he's quoting is a prophecy found in Malachi 3.1 and Isaiah 43. So first turn to Malachi 3.1 if you're following along with this. I'm getting ready to read it. This is also known as the Italian prophet Malachi. They're the same guy, Malachi and Malachi. They're one guy. But Malachi 3.1 says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now this is God speaking here, saying that his messenger will prepare the way before God. Now that's a big deal because John the Baptist is claiming to be that messenger, which means the person he is preparing the way for is God himself. And that's one of the strong proofs that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, there are religions out there who would say that Jesus is important, but not God's Son. But we see clearly in Scripture over and over that Jesus is the Son of God. And that is so important for us to understand because believing this is the difference between a Christian and a lost man. And then we see the other side of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. It says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now this one is interesting because it's the second half of the prophecy quoted in verse 3 of Mark. And here we see the concept of making a clear path for Jesus. This is something that the people of Mark's day would understand very well. Because when a king was going anywhere, he had people who came before him to clear the way. They had to make sure that everything and everyone was ready for the king to arrive. And that's exactly what John the Baptist does. His job is to prepare the hearts of the people for Jesus to come. And that's why John was preaching baptism and repentance. Because in order to hear and believe the message that Jesus would bring, we have to admit that something is wrong with us and that we need a Savior. John the Baptist was setting the scene for the king to arrive. And in verse 1, 
in Mark, he uses the title, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The literal translation of Christ would be the Anointed One. This was a title reserved for God himself. It wasn't his name. We say Jesus Christ, but that is his title. So when we say Jesus Christ, we are proclaiming to the world that Jesus is the Son of God. And this is why in John 1.49, Nathanael admits that Jesus is the Son of God and King of Israel. And in the book of Mark, what we're going to see is there are three broad main proofs that the author offers to show that Jesus is truly the promised Messiah of Israel and the world. In the beginning of the book, we see the words and deeds of Jesus, and their miraculous power testifies to who Jesus is. In the middle of the book, we will see the confession of Peter and the Roman centurion that Jesus is the Christ. And as the book closes, we see Jesus in his death and resurrection on the cross. Over and over, Mark is presenting Jesus as the promised Messiah. And if we jump back to our text in Mark chapter 1, verse 4 through 6, we come to the issue of what John was doing to prepare the way for Jesus. Verse 4 through 6 will remind, it, remind you of what it says is that John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. So let's take this one piece at a time. John, it starts off with saying that he was baptizing people in the wilderness. Now he did this so that people could show that they had repented. To repent is a big thing. It's more than just being sorry for something. And it's more than feeling sad or bad about what you did. To repent means to turn from something completely. And for the Jews to be coming to John the Baptist to be baptized was a big step for them. Because the Jews are God's chosen people. So by getting baptized, they were in a sense turning from their nation's history of rejecting God and saying, I am choosing to follow him openly. Now again, he did this to prepare the way for Jesus. God was using him to soften the hearts of the people before Jesus entered the scene. And then we come to the question of why was he wearing camel hair and leather belt? And, and perhaps even more importantly, why was this even recorded in the Bible? Because we know that anything in the scripture has, is there not by accident. It's all written and inspired by the Holy Spirit, so it has to mean something. So what was so important that Mark decided to write a description of what John the Baptist looked like? Well, if you make a long story short, it's because that is the clothing that prophets wore. And it started all the way back when Elijah, who was a prophet in the Old Testament, the clothing of a prophet in the Old Testament wasn't fancy. They dressed for practicality because they were usually on the move and needed tough clothing that could take some abuse. And so by wearing these clothes, John the Baptist identified himself with a long line of faithful prophets of the Lord. And the locusts, it says that he ate, were a good source of protein for him. They used to bake bread and crush locusts up into the bread to add protein. And it sounds gross to us, perhaps, but if you live in a desert, 
you do what you got to do to survive. But lucky for them, they also had tons of honey available to sweeten things with and probably take the edge off of that locust bread. But again, the reason that he was baptizing was to prepare the way for the king, Jesus. And if we read further in verse 7 and 8, we see the main point of his message. It says, And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist says he is not worthy to untie the sandals of the one who comes after him. Now to tell you how important this statement is, that was the job that was beneath even the lowest slave of their day. Even the lowest slave would be insulted if their master asked them to untie their sandals. But John the Baptist says that he is not even worthy of this low position because of how great Jesus is. And so we have this comparison here that John the Baptist is the greatest man to have ever lived besides Jesus. Jesus said it himself in Matthew eleven eleven. He said, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The greatest man on earth was nothing next to Jesus. When we think of the greatness of God, there is no way that we could possibly exaggerate or overstate his glory. And to offer the final proof that Jesus is the Son of God, John says this in verse 8. He says, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The only one who can baptize with the Holy Spirit is God. So if Jesus offers baptism with the Holy Spirit, he is the Son of God. And so John announces to the world the beginning of a new era, and he calls for repentance. So as I close, my question to you is, have you repented? Have you made a choice to follow the King? And that's where we'll stop today. This marks the end of this very first episode of the Sunday Sermon podcast on Venture Tabernacle. We are so glad to have you tuning in with us. If you would like to, you can follow us on all the socials. They're going to be linked down in the description below. Tune back in next Sunday morning to see where we go from here as we continue through the gospel according to Mark, verse by verse and story by story.